to my friend, Brother Billy Chapman, Morganton, North Carolina. Why don't we give that to God right now? Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Praise God, praise God. Amen. It's good to be here. It's my first time in Nashus. And uh, beautiful city. Pastor drove me around briefly yesterday and even late last night. I took a nap and I got up and I just got restless. So I got in the truck and I just drove around in the nighttime and prayed over your city and, and uh, just felt it out. And uh, there is revival here. There is hunger here. Amen. I, I just felt like there were people that are ready and looking. They're, they're just wanting somebody to invite them to church. And uh, I'm excited about what God's doing. It's good to be here. I love the Johnsons and I've known them for quite a long time and observed them from afar and appreciate their consistency. There's something to be say, something to be said when someone is the same every time you see them. Now, we see, I see a lot of that. You see certain people, they're one way, and then a couple years later, they're another way, and a couple years later, or, or if they're with different people, they're different. But I know one thing, I've always seen the Johnsons, and my wife and I have spoke about that. They're always the same when you see them, and I appreciate that and honor that. Thank God for men and women that are the same. They're consistent. They're who they are, and appreciate them very, very much and what their contribution to the kingdom of God. And uh, appreciate Sister Johnson's book that she wrote. I, uh, a few years ago, I told Pastor that when I was given that book, I was actually in Louisiana and was staying with another pastor and uh, went to the, didn't get to my room till about 1.30 in the morning. So I'm just going to read a couple, just read a couple pages and go to sleep. Well, 5.30 in the morning, I finally closed the book when I finished it. Tears in my eyes. And I thank you for writing that book. It was impactful to me. Thank you so much. Bless me. And... Uh, I appreciate the go-dares. I appreciate men and women of God that have carried the torch and have stood, stood in the way and provided a place for many of us to be here today. I wouldn't be here without great men that went before me. And I give honor to them, to my dad, to my pastor, and, of course, my wife. I wish she could be here with me today. Uh, but we, uh, of course, have a very busy church at home. And also uh, my tribe, I call it the tribe of Chapman. I have, uh, I have seven children, and so we have a very busy home. There's never a dull moment in the Chapman house. And you say, so they're from 19 down to 3. And so someone said, do you, you mean, you know what, how, what causes that? I said, man, I'm trying to build a church. Leave me alone. <laughs> At least I got these captivated for 18 years. Uh, you know, I, gotta, I got these held on. They're not going to leave me, at least for a while. But God's been really good to us, has blessed my family and uh, the church at home. We're in the mountains of North Carolina and uh, so thankful to be there building a church in those small rural towns. I'm not a big city kind of guy. I like this town here. This is nice. This feels like home. And uh, the town I live in is about this size. And uh, just small mountain town, good people, just down the earth, just working, raising their family, trying to live for God and make it home. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I don't want to bore you with preliminaries, but it is so good to be here. But I do want to get into the word of the Lord this morning. And I do feel the Lord has given me direction for this service in particular. God knew exactly who was going to be here before we came here. 1 Samuel chapter 7, if you have your Bibles this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 7. And uh, praise the Lord. I, I won't hold you long. I just want to give you the message. If you'll preach with me, it'll go real quick. And, uh, and don't worry, I didn't eat much breakfast. All I had was some coffee and a piece of toast. And uh, I'm not a big breakfast person. But usually that works good for Sunday morning because that means I don't preach too long. I like to get to the point. And, uh, but God is good. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 11, 12, and 13. Praise the Lord. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah. Everybody say Mizpah. And pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone 
and set it between Mizpah and Shane. Everybody say Shane. And called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was, uh, was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. I believe there's some here today that you're ready for God to come against your enemies Amen. the rest of your life. Come on, you're tired of fighting the same battles. You're tired of facing the same troubles. Right. And I want to preach tonight, or this morning, that word, the simple, Ebenezer. I am an Ebenezer. Pastor, would you pray? Mighty God, in Jesus' name, anoint the man of God to preach to us. Let us be anointed to receive it. Let every one of us be stirred in the Spirit and receive what we need in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. Just keep your Bibles open to that chapter 7 there. Let's go back to the first part of that chapter. I would like to begin reading in verse number 1. And it says, And the men of Gerjath Jerem came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. Verse 2, And it came to pass while the ark abode in Gerjath Jerem that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. The ark of the Lord had been away for a long time. Amen. The ark of the Lord represent, represents several things. Ultimately, it represented God's presence with us. Amen. It represented victory. So he that had the ark could rest assured when they went in the battle that they were going to have the victory because the ark was with them. God's presence was with them. The ark of the Lord represented provision. When the ark was there, you knew, hey, it didn't matter how bad times were going to get. It didn't matter what was in the bank account. It didn't matter what didn't come in. You knew that, hey, God was still here and he was going to provide. It was all going to be all right because we had the ark with us. It represented power. Yeah, man, it represented anointing. Because the ark was there. I, I don't like to do a lot of preliminaries. I just feel like preaching this morning. Is that all right? I'm so glad I was raised in a church that had the ark in it. That God's presence was there. And God's anointing was there. And God's power was there. And God's provision was there. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. But there are times in our life, I don't care who you are, but if you live for God long enough, there's times it feels like God is so far away that your prayers don't even reach the ceiling of the room. There's times it feels like there's no power. There's times it feels like God's forgot about you and forgot about your family. Come on. And there are, there are multiple reasons that happens. I understand it's not always sin. There are times in our life where God puts us through a dry desert place. Amen. And there's times we go through those wildernesses and we don't understand why. But it's partly God's way of trying to draw us back to see if we really want his presence in our life or not. Yeah, man, there's times he puts a church through a valley, if you would. He puts a congregation. He even puts a city and a nation through a dry season to see if they'll draw back, if they'll get hungry. The Bible says that they lamented because it had been away for a long time. I don't know you and you don't know me. It kind of puts us on equal settings. You know, I don't know where you're at, but I just get a feeling. I was praying this morning. God said, there's several here. They're going to be here that are feeling what you're preaching about. They're going through a dry season. Amen. Provisions, just not what it used to be. And powers, just not what it used to be. And it's been a long time since they really felt my anointing. They're living off a revival that happened 20 years ago. And they're really hungry and they're desiring. They're lamenting. I want you to understand God's heard somebody lamenting. I want more. I want to go back. I want to feel what I used to feel. I want to touch what I used to touch. 
Oh, I know it's Sunday morning, but I just feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. It had been away for a long time. Somebody say a long time. Amen. In verse number 3 of chapter 7, they lamented after the Lord, and Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods, lowercase g-o-d, and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. The man of God says, I'm going to give you the solution. If you want the ark back in your life, if you want the presence of God back in your life, if you want the anointing back in your life, if you want the power, nah, I remember the day I used to go to work and power come on me, and I wasn't afraid to pray for anybody. I remember when I would walk around my neighborhood and knock doors, but I just don't feel it no more, preacher. If you want that power back, if you want that provision back, I'm tired of worrying how the bills are going to get paid. I'm tired of worrying about how, how this is going to work out. I'm preaching to somebody today, if you want that provision back, if you want that power back, if you want that, I wish somebody preached with me on a Sunday morning. Oh, There's still a way to get it back. Amen, amen. There's still a way. And the man of God said, you got to return with all your hearts. When your hearts get distracted, our passions, our desires get distracted. We get busy with life. We get busy with the world. It's just, it's not, it happens to us all. We just get busy. Things happen. We get, so, we get caught up in the race, if you would. We're trying to survive. We're, we're trying to feed the family. I know I got seven kids. That's a lot of mouths to feed. And when you got seven kids, they got, they got 17 friends. That's right. You know, somebody says, what kind of vehicle you drive? I'm about ready to uh, move up to a bus. I got a 15-passenger van because it's never just my seven kids. That's right. They got somebody. Daddy, can this person go home? I reckon. Let's go. Come on, what's one more mouth? You got seven to feed. <laughs> Come on, you know, so, so I understand. I know you get caught up. You get busy. You're trying. You got this one going to school. And I got, I got three driving cars, two of them totaled cars last year. You don't even want my insurance bill. Come on, I understand life happens to us all. It rains on the just and the unjust. We have things happen. Bills come due. Things tear up. Cars break down. Come on. And, you know, and credit's not always what you like it to be because you're just trying to survive. And sometimes God's putting us through the ringer because he wants our hearts to come back to the house of God, to put him first. If you seek me first, you won't have to worry about all these other things. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, I hear it. Pastor, you don't understand. Oh, I understand. But I know this much. If you put God first, if you let him know he's number one, if God is not your last resort but rather your first option, I promise you, I promise you, come on, he wants your heart back. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. He said return it with all your hearts. Then he said, put away strange gods and Ashtaroth. There's nothing by chance in the scripture. He said, put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth. And then later on he said, they put away the strange gods. So we know that Ashtaroth was a strange god just like the rest of them. But he specifically say, he said, put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth. So I was like, who was Ashtaroth? What's so special about this god? It was a goddess, if you would. It was the goddess of war and love, fertility. That's right. You see, we get so busy that we start listening to the wrong voices that tell us how to, how to have war, how to fight, how to survive. We, we start listening to the wrong voices telling us on how to, how to have babies, how to raise a family. We start listening to Dr. Phil and Oprah. And God says, I don't want you listening to the voices of this world. Put away the strange gods. Come on, somebody. You don't need some psychiatrist tell you how to survive. You need a pastor. You need a man of God. You need, oh, come on. This ain't popular preaching. 
because, because, well, you don't know what I saw on YouTube. You need to turn YouTube off and, and get yourself back in the altar. You need to get yourself off Facebook and get your face back in the book. And say, you know what? I don't need this world to tell me how to fight. I don't need this world to tell me how to have a family. I don't need this world to tell me how to survive. Come on. Now, I only have one speed. My wife tells me I only got one speed, so y'all just have to. This train takes off real fast. I hope you can get on. Come on. I'm so sick and tired of everybody listening to the world before they listen to God. Well, I just don't understand, preacher. I just don't understand. Well, that's not, I said, that's your problem. I said, that's your problem. See, God doesn't work the way we work. God doesn't operate the way we operate. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our, he's above us. It's not that it's wrong the way we operate. It's not that it's necessarily wrong the way we treat each other. You see, the way we treat each other, elder, is that, you know, we, if you show me, I'll trust you. That's how we operate. If you show me, I'll trust you. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if I need brain surgery and some fella says, I'm a brain surgeon, you know, I don't want to just trust him. I want, how many times you done this? I don't want a plumber cutting on my head. I don't, well, I looked on, I looked on YouTube and they, they got, no, 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 no. No, I want to know, you show me, I'll trust you. Come on, when somebody goes to paint my house, I want to know how many houses they painting. I want to, did you die? Did you die? I want some references here. You want to work on my car? Have you done this before? Do you know what you're doing? You show me and I'll trust you. But that's not how God operates. God operates opposite of that. God operates, you trust me and I'll show you. You see, God said, if you'll trust me, if you'll draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when you ain't got money and God says, go ahead and give your way out of it. You ain't got money, but go ahead and bring and give some money to the church. And you trust me and I'll show you. The problem with this generation, it's trying to be an intellectual generation. They want to serve God with their mind, but God wants you to serve God with your spirit. God doesn't, your mind, it cannot understand the things of God. The natural man cannot, for the things of God are spiritually discerned. The Lord says, trust me, I'll show you. But God, have you done this before? Trust me. I'll show you. Trust me. Go ahead and give that money. Go ahead. Go to the house of God. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you something else. God will never let you understand that which you refuse to obey. You hear me? God will never let you understand that which you refuse to obey. He doesn't work that way. He doesn't sit around waiting for you to understand it, then you follow him. That's not how God works. That's not, that's not, the, way, that's not the way this Pentecostal way works. This is not the way truth works. God's looking for someone that says, Lord, I submit. I don't understand why pastor said dress this way, but I'm going to do it anyways. I don't understand why they say give, but I'm going to give anyways. I don't understand why they say pray, but I'm going to pray. I don't understand why I don't do this or I don't do that, but the man of God says don't do this, and the man of God said don't do that. I may not understand it, but I'm going to do it anyways. That's called submission. Submission is never submission if you don't ever fight against it. Submission is, comes from the word wrestling, and it means they wrestled, but somebody finally said, no, nah, I give up. I'm going to do it God's way. Come on. God will never let you understand that which you refuse to obey. But if you obey, I haven't been pastoring and preaching as long as Brother Johnson, but I've been around long enough to know if you obey, you will understand. The disciples, they left their families. They left their jobs. They followed Jesus Christ. They were persecuted, talked about. They were laughed at and mocked. But it wasn't until after his death, burial, and resurrection that the Bible says right in that, that season, he said, then open he their understanding 
that they might understand the scriptures. You mean to tell me they didn't understand? No, they didn't understand, but they obeyed. They followed by faith. God is looking for somebody that doesn't understand but says, God, I'm going to follow you anyways. If it means my job, then so be it. If it means my family, then so be it. God, you understand after you obey, not before. So if you're sitting on a pew and you're, you're trying to negotiate with God like some little terrorist, that ain't going to work for you. Well, God, when you finally let me understand, then I'll do it. When you understand, then I'll seek that tongues. When I, when I understand, then I'll give my tithe. Then you'll never understand because you'll never understand that which you refuse to obey. God is looking for obedience. Somebody say amen. I wasn't in my notes, but it's good anyways. Amen. He said, get away, strange gods. I don't need the world to tell me how to build a church. Come on, I get the emails. I'm sure you do. We can help you double in 90 days. I don't need Ashton Roth in my church. I don't need the world to tell me how, how to have babies. You know how you have spiritual babies the same way they did 2,000 years ago? You keep preaching Acts 238. You keep having revival. <laughs> you keep loving people. Come on. I mean, it's still a hit. Your pastor opened the service with it. The Holy Ghost is still for people today. I don't need some new little method. I don't need some new little way of having church. This old way still works. God chose by the foolishness of preaching. I still need a preacher. I still need a pastor. That's the way you have babies. God help us not to get rid of the pulpit for some bar stool. I don't need the world's way of having church. I don't need their lights and smoke machines. Give me a preacher that'll preach the word of God with conviction. That'll go give me a pastor. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Get rid of that strange God's. I've been around this country, and I've been to churches that call themselves Pentecostal. They don't even know what Pentecostal is. Somewhere in the past they were, but the ark's not there now. It's been gone a long time. And they're trying to follow some kind of man-made method, some kind of way of doing it. And they've they substituted the prayer room for a coffee shop. And I'm not against coffee shops. I mean, I, you want to give me a call for church, I'll drink coffee. By God, don't get rid of the prayer room. And they're wandering around in goat skins, if you would. And they're wandering around. Where's the power? Oh, they got talent out the wazoo. Oh, man, they got more musicians than they've ever dreamed of having. They got, they got talent. And they got all this stuff. But there's no anointing. I've been to some of those services. I, I sat in the back of one not long ago. Thousands of people there. And they, they, they sang just like we sing. And they, they had the same name on the sign, but there was something missing. There was a lot of hype. There was a lot of pop. But the ark wasn't there. But I feel like I'm amongst people that, you know what? God, I want your power. I don't want to have church without your presence. I don't want to have, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Can we lift our hands to God? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to have church where we lean heavily so much on talent because God's not there no more. I don't want to have church to where we got to create an atmosphere with lights and machines because we can't create an atmosphere with the prayer room anymore. I want to feel the presence of God when I come in the house of God. That's what they were doing. We want the ark back. We've gone 20 years without it. We want it back. So they said, okay, repent. And so they did. They repented. They got rid of the strange gods, the word said. Then Samuel said, now meet me at Mizpah. Now God can do what he wants to do anywhere. He could have done it right where they were at. But he said, meet me at Mizpah. Now, I read the beginning, he said they put these stones when God was done and gave them the victory. He put these stones there between Mizpah and Shane. And he called those stones 
Ebenezer. Because when you see these stones, here the two hath the Lord helped us. When you see these stones, you know they didn't get there by themselves. If it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? You see, God was God's desires for every single person in here to be an Ebenezer. Amen. That when your grandchildren see you on that pew, it's an Ebenezer to the next generation and the generation after them. When you see me here, you know I'm only here because of the Lord. I didn't get here on my own. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. You see, that drug addiction, it was too big for you. That alcoholism was too big for you. That sin was too big for you. But you are an Ebenezer. Hitherto hath the Lord helped me. Oh, I believe God wants First Church to be an Ebenezer to this part of Mississippi. Every time people drive by, they can see, man, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. See, see, there's the difference. Therein lies the difference between man-made church and Holy Ghost church. You see, man-made churches, look what that preacher did, or look what that church did, or look what that leadership team did. But I want to be a part of something when people look at it, they said, oh, my, 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 my. Ain't no way any man could have done that. There ain't no way. That had to be the Lord. That had to be God. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. You say, Brother Chapman, you don't know how bad my situation is. Well, praise God. That means when it's done, there ain't no doctor getting credit. There ain't no man getting credit. It's an Ebenezer. Look what the Lord has done. Somebody shout hallelujah. And God said, I want you to put that Ebenezer between Mispah and Shane. What's Mispah? Why me to Mispah? Mispah, simply define my... Our vernacular, it meant an emotional connecting place. That's what it meant. It was a, a place of emotional connection. It was a meeting place. God didn't just want his people to repent. He wanted to meet them down deep in their emotions. He said, meet me at Miss... Oh, I'm so glad. Brother Johnson, it ain't just about me repenting. We need to repent. We need to get rid of strange gods. But God wants to meet me down where I feel. He wants to have an emotional connecting with me. He wants to get down and have a little talk with me. Oh, I like that song, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. Come on. Uh, amen. It's, I'm talking about an Isaiah 28 experience. Uh, Isaiah 28, 11, for with stammering lips uh, and an unknown tongue, uh, will God speak to this people? Uh, for this is the rest wherewith the weary shall find rest. Uh, this is the refreshing. Yet there will be those that will not hear. Uh, but God is looking for a people uh, that want to meet him in a place of mispah. I'm talking about a place of praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm talking about a place where just you and Jesus uh, and you get caught up in it. Uh, yeah, I know I've given up some things, but I've never given up more than God hasn't given back to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, let me help you understand. What is a mispah place? I'll tell you about mispah. I thank God for mispahs in my walk of God. And it, and it, I thank God for being a part of a Holy Ghost apostolic church and having elders in my life that preach to me. You don't need that. And I still got a pastor. If he called me right now and said I need to get rid of it, I want to do it. Thank God for it. Amen. Thank God. But it's not just about repentance. It's not just about what we give up. Some look on the outside looking in and say, well, that church is a church with just a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations. Oh, but if they only knew that we didn't just stop at repentance. <laughs> but there was another place that God was inviting us to go to. A place of mispah. A place of an emotional connection. A place where the Holy Ghost can get down deep on the inside. And we can have that little talk with Jesus. You see, a lot of the reason why so many people are struggling to walk with God is because all they do is live in repentance. Oh, every Sunday they're going back to the first works of repentance and they never find the place of mispah throughout the week. I'm telling you, you better get back to that place of connecting with God. Connecting with God in a prayer room. Connecting with God in your car. Several. I'm slow down here. I know I got one gear and I'm stuck in it. 
It was uh, Sunday night, September 2012. It was the first Sunday of September. We had a having church. I was building the church, man. We were trying to win souls. After church, I took people out to eat and fellowshipping with them. My son, uh, that time we had three children, four children, one we had adopted. We had three, and then we adopted one, and we thought we were done. And, uh, and so my youngest son, Victor, at the little Mexican restaurant, kept complaining about his belly hurting. He said, Daddy, uh, ooh, belly hurts, belly hurts. He had been playing football with the other kids, ate too much candy in Sunday school. Told him to lay down in the booth. He'd be all right. Got home that night. Two o'clock in the morning, I heard him get up and go to the bathroom down the hall and went to check on him. He was crying. And when he was urinating, it was coming out real dark red. There was blood in his urine. Of course, I did what we all do in this tech generation. I went to WebMD. You know what, you know what WebMD is? It's to choose your own adventure. That always ends in death. You go through, start picking symptoms, man. Before you know it, you're all dying. And all you had was a headache. But I, I started reading, you know, what, you know, there was something, you know, it's un, not uncommon for little boys who been wrestling, playing, kicking the kidney, get a little blood in the urine. So I just kept him home the next day, took him to the doctor, and we, uh, Went into the doctor's office, and they did blood tests, urine tests, and he's bouncing around like any little eight-year-old. He was skinny, no, no problems, and him and I went and left, and she said, y'all go ahead and go to lunch. I'll call you if I need you. And so we went to Chinese buffet. We're eating lunch, and he's cutting up and just like an eight-year-old does, and I got a phone call from the doctor, and she said, where you at, preacher? I said, I'm at the restaurant with my son. She said, you need to get to the hospital now. Something's wrong. I said, what's wrong? She said, I don't know, but you need to get here now. Something's wrong with his blood. So I get him, and we get in the car, and we head back to the hospital, and I'm in the parking deck at the local hospital, and get a phone call again from them. I mean, we're getting out of the car. And she said, where are you at, preacher? I said, I'm in the garage, getting in the parking deck. She said, get back in your car. I said, what? She said, you need to get to Charlotte. We're not equipped to deal with what's going on with your son. I said, what's going on? She says, I don't know, but something's wrong. His potassium levels are way off. His blood count is messed up. There is something wrong with your boy. She said, you need to get the Levine's Children's Hospital now. I immediately took off, called my wife and said, we're headed to Charlotte. I don't know what's going on. You might want to head down. We get to Levine's Children's Hospital. Levine's Children's Hospital, number one children's hospital in the country. Most of you have heard of St. Jude's. St. Jude's the big hospital for children, but St. Jude's is actually a nonprofit that's run by Levine's. The Levine doctors are the ones that fly into St. Jude's and, and work there for free. So Levine's is where it all happens at. And so we, go, we arrive at Levine's, and as I come in the lobby, there's doctors waiting. Are you Mr. Chapman? We are. They immediately take my son, put him in a wheelchair, and they rush me. I don't know what's going on. They take me to an elevator. We're going to the elevator. What's going on? We go up to the 10th floor. I'm looking around, and as I'm walking, I started noticing all these little kids with no hair. And they take me, take my son into a room, and we're sitting there, and they, they begin to rush and doing tests, and they took his blood pressure. His blood pressure was 180 over 120, eight years old. They were flipping out. They were doctors and nurses. I called my wife. I said, baby, something's wrong. They won't talk to me. They, they're just doing their stuff. And, and so now my son, he, he'd got the Holy Ghost at six years old, been baptized in Jesus' name, and he's sitting there, and and, of course, he's scared, and they won't let him eat. And if you know anything about Victor, you don't feed that boy. you got problems. From the time he was born, you better feed him or he was like a brat. I mean, not a brat. He was just mean. It was beyond a brat. It was like the devil come out in him. He wasn't hungry. He was hangry. <laughs> so my wife came up that night, had someone stay with the other three kids, and that Tuesday morning, Doctors come in, brought a special nurse. The doctor came in and said, this special nurse is going to talk to your son. We'd like to talk to you and your wife in a private room. We take my wife and I into a private room, set us down with about eight specialists, and uh, they put a big screen on the big screen. They projected my son's abdomen. 
you know, I'm the kind of guy when they show the, you know, when they're doing the, the scan to see what, what the sex of the baby is, I'm just saying, yeah, because I don't know what the world I'm looking at, you know. And, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, you see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of blob to me. And so I'm looking at the screen. I don't know what it is. And the doctor begins, he's solid, he gets up, he said, I want to, Mr. Mr. Chapman, I'm, I want to show you, you see this dark area? Yeah, I see some a dark mass there. And uh, one whole bottom left side of his, his abdomen was just a dark mass. He said, your son has stage 4 cancer. And he has a tumor the size of an NFL football inside of him. It's not showing on the outside at all. It's pushing against his arteries. It's pushing against his bowels. And that's why his blood pressure is so high. We're sorry to tell you your son has seven days to live. You talk about... I've been there for other people. But this is my boy. This is my baby. Well, what do we do, doctor? He said, the only thing we can try to do. The, the, the tumor was growing every so fast. It said it was multiplying itself double every seven days. They said within seven days, this will be taken over his whole bottom half. Within, within 14 days, it will cover from his neck to his feet. That tumor, he'll be dead. The only thing we can do is we could remove the tumor and do immediate radiation and chemotherapy. So let's do it. Let's try something. So they prepared our son. The nurse that was left back, she was the one, she was professional to t tell our son what was going on. And so we get back in the room. He's like, I got cancer? What's cancer? Well, how do we tell an eight-year-old that? So they prepped him that whole day. Wednesday morning, they took my son back. One of the hardest days of my life. As we walked down holding his hand as he laid in that bed, and uh, they wouldn't let us go all the way back with him. I'll never forget that. I wish they'd have let me stay with him until they put him to sleep. But he had to go back there by himself. And the last words my son said to me, he says, Daddy, I'm scared. Here you are, you're trying to be strong because you're the daddy, you're the pastor, you're, you're the mama, you're, you're, you're the leader. and you, Inside, you're all messed up. My wife's there, my mother-in-law, my dad, different ones are down, the church people are down in the lobby. And uh, I told my wife, I said, listen, I, I'll meet you back down in the lobby. I'm not crying, I'm keeping on. You see, you know what I needed at that moment? I needed a mispah. Because emotionally, I was messed up. I didn't need a pill. I didn't need some kind of anxiety medicine. No, no, no. I needed to find myself a place to be with the Lord on an emotional level. See, some of the reason why y'all struggling, some of the reason why you're losing your mind is because you haven't been there in a long time. You've been trying to do it on your own. You've been listening to the doctor. You've been listening to Astro Roth. You've been listening to this one. And, listen, and God's saying, look, you just get rid of that and come on back to Mispa. Come on back to me. And I, I remember, I remember in the hospital on the third floor, I saw a sign for a chapel. And I said, well, I'm going to go to the chapel before I go back to the first floor. And I got down to the, the third floor, and I found the little chapel door open up. There's a neat little chapel room. I think it was set up more for a Catholic service. And I had candles lit, and nobody was in there. And I laid on the floor, and I began to cry out to God. Did you feel anything? No, I didn't feel nothing. I was feeling angry. Let's just be honest. Well, you should not get angry with God. Well, good for you if you have never got angry with God. Maybe you'll get a reward in heaven that we won't get. I don't know. But I'm still human, and I was angry. God, you know, we're giving our life to the ministry. I've given up my job. I, I, Lord, we, 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 we're doing all what in the world. It's my boy. God, is my baby. I dedicated him to the Lord. Lord, I'm praying. And God speaks to me just like his. He, he said, do you remember Job? I'm like, Lord, I don't like the way this conversation is going. <laughs> <I don't laughs> you know, the Lord kind of spoke to my spirit. He said, did I not, what did I promise Job in the end of all the things? 
He said, you promised double everything that was his. Did I lie? What did I do? <laughs> you get double, double the cattle? I'm like, God, we're having this conversation. Like me and God are thinking, my mind's thinking about this. I'm on Job. Yeah, you got double the cattle, double the oxen, double the camels, double the barns, double, double. He said, how many kids did he start with? Ten. How many did he end with? Ten. Did I lie? I kind of sit there for a minute. Wait a minute. He doubled everything that was his, but he didn't double his kids. Because the Lord said, because the kids were never his. They were always mine. He said, that boy up there is not yours. That boy up there is mine. And when God spoke that in my spirit, Brother Johnson, I got the speaking in tongues. I got the rolling around that floor, praising God. You know what? The ark showed up. I was in a place of mitzvah. I felt the anointing, man. I was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the kid in that floor, stomping that floor. That baby's yours. That boy is yours. God, I worship you. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And I walked. I heard a noise. It scared me. I didn't realize there was a Catholic priest hanging behind this curtain. With two people getting ready to have service, and that's why the candles are hit. He was sitting there huddled around to hold them. It's gonna be all right. <laughs> he said, "Are you done?" I said, "I am." <laughs> I must have scared the tarnations out of them. <laughs> they ain't never seen a mispa before. <laughs> but when God gets a hold of you, you don't care who's looking. You don't care what they think. I got the Holy Ghost. I got it down in my heart, just like the Bible says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, Mispa is that emotional connected place. Is that place where it's just you and God. And thank God for that. And I'm going to come back to a minute. But he said they put Ebenezer between Mispa and Shane. Shane was the place of the, the sharp tooth. And God spoke to me. Shane was a place of the cutting. That's what it was, a place of cutting. God doesn't want us just to live in a place of emotional connection. He wants us between the emotional connecting and the place of cutting. Pastor said Wednesday night there's going to be doctrine taught or teaching taught. We need cutting. We need teaching. We don't just need to shout, but we need to be taught the word of God. We need to cut away things in our life. We need the Bible taught to us. Somebody say amen. See, so many just, there's so many charismatics. All they want to do is come to a church and shouts all the time. But we need the word taught to us as well. God never intended for you to stay at Mizpah. He wanted you between Mizpah and Shane. He wanted you to worship him in spirit, Mizpah, and in truth, Shane. We need both. We need both. God wants to make somebody in Ebenezer here tonight, this morning. Musicians, get ready to come, huh? I'm winding down. But that, I came out of that prayer room, that chapel. Went down in the lobby, man. I felt good. I, don't, I, didn't, I did not understand why, but I was being obedient to God's spirit. And you'll never understand that which you refuse to obey. But if you obey, something begins to happen in your spirit. Why? Why you look so happy? I don't know. The things of the spirit cannot be understand with this carnal mind, for they're spiritually discerned. But I found a place with Jesus, and I just know everything's going to be all right. Four and a half, five hours later, they pull my son out of surgery, and they, they had cut him. He, he brags about he's got a Mercedes symbol on his belly. He had abs before they were even abs available for him. And they had taken his bowels out. They had bruised his liver. They had scraped and pulled. And I don't know. I can't remember the size of the weight of the tumor, but it was the size of an NFL football. To this day, they still don't know the cause, the reason of it. It's a very rare, very rare cancer. They took us in there, and my son was still sedated, heavily out told my wife and I, I said look we're not sure how this is going to pan out we put an epidural on his back 
just like they do for women that are pregnant, having a baby. He said, but that only helps from the waist down. It does nothing from the waist up because we can't. It would shut his organs down. But most of what we had to do was from the waist up. When he wakes up, he's going to be in extreme pain. Just have him hit this button. And the doctors is right down the hall in the ICU. And they're going to come and they're going to give him morphine immediately in his IV. They'll be right there. Just when he wakes up, have him hit the button. He never woke up while I was there, you know. My wife said, go home to the other three kids. She refused to leave. And I went home and drove the hour and a half back to the house. And fitful sleep that night. Around 2 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call. Of course, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, you won't believe what's happening. What's going on? She said, this is the second time he's woke up. He wakes up. Quiet, Mama. It's burning. I'm hurting. She runs over to him, and he's hitting the, hit the button, hit the button. And she takes him by the hand. She says, let's pray. And what she didn't even know, but what she was doing, she was leading him to Mizpah. This is where I want to close on this morning, because I really feel this. There's some of you that you haven't been to Mizpah in a long time. And you've been trying to figure out how your bills are going to get paid, how your marriage is going to work out, how that backslidden kid's going to come back to church, and it's driving you crazy. I want revival, Pastor. I want to see our church go to the next level. And, and all the while, God's over here in Mizpah waiting on you. And so she said, let's pray, Victor. And so Victor and her began to pray. And she said, as soon as she said, Jesus, before, he could, before she could say anything else, his other hand lifted up, and he started speaking in tongues. She said, he would speak in tongues. And when the door opened, the doctor's rushing in. She looked down, and he was sound asleep. Doctor said, I got the morphine. She said, I think he's fine. Five times, five times the morphine never had to be administered. Because before the morphine showed up, the Holy Ghost showed up. The comforter showed up. The healer showed up. Why don't we stand? It was a hard two years after that chemo, radiation, and all those things. and It's hard to watch your boy go through it. At every service, he'd walk in, body beat, body tired, barely able. Sometimes we had to carry him in, sit him on the front row. It's where he wanted to sit. Okay, his hair started falling out. I remember, I'll never forget the Sunday. walked in and I told my wife, I'm going to shave my head too. She said, you are not going to shave your head. She said, I, I, I can't hardly stand see him. You're not going to do it too. Yes, yes, Pastor, you're right. <laughs> yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. <laughs> but I remember walking in church that Sunday, and, and there were 12 little boys. Met him at the door, all shaved heads. Several of the men on our security team, the ushers, about every one of our ushers were shaved heads. Some of y'all wouldn't have to worry about that. You already got it going on. <laughs> y'all didn't know it. Y'all are so kind to prepare for me for this message. <laughs> but they're all shaved heads. And, and uh, the church prayed and worshiped together. And just last Tuesday night, Victor got in the pulpit and preached his first sermon. Come on. Come on. He's seven years cancer-free. Seven years. But you know what? It wasn't the morphine that kept him. It was a mitzvah. It was the Holy Ghost. Come on. I don't know what you're going through, sir. I don't know what you're going through, ma'am. But God's still the answer. I said, God's still the answer. Come on. When I watched my son get up there, both my older sons preached last Tuesday night. I watched the oldest and I watched Victor get in that pulpit. And when he ran back and got the preaching, I thought, there's an Ebenezer for you. Hither too. Had the Lord done that. It wasn't the doctor that did it. It wasn't the drugs that did it. It was the Holy Ghost. Come on, I'm, 
I'm about to open this altar this Sunday morning. I, I believe God's doing something, setting the stage. I was in prayer early this morning. What we up at five? God wants to do something for somebody. God wants to give you a miracle. But he's not going to do it with him being the last resort. He's not going to do it with you putting him on the back burner and saying, God, well, if this doesn't work, then I'll try you. No, 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 no. He said, choose you this day. I'm going to give God a chance. I don't understand, but if I obey, then one day. You've been preaching long enough. You know, you've passed long enough. That phone call, Pastor, I get it. I understand now. And it may have been years. They may have been, they may have been faithful for years. I had a 74-year-old lady call me recently and said, I get it. She's been in church longer than I've been alive. But if you'll stay long enough, you'll understand that which you obeyed. And God will do a work in your life. Who my wife's not here or my husband's not here. Why don't you just go ahead and put that in God's hand this morning. You know what I think we need to have today? We need to have a mispah moment. I don't feel like I'm in a room of people that haven't repented. I feel like you've repented and you've repented and you've repented and you've repented. But God's saying, now that you've repented, why don't you just come and have a little talk with me. I know it's Sunday morning. I know we want to beat everybody else at the restaurant. But just for a little bit, could we just let God talk to us? Come on. Come on, that's it. Is there another? Somebody says, I just need to, I need to hear him. I need to feel his heartbeat. I need him to touch me. When's the last time you prayed in tongues? When's the last time you prayed in the Holy Ghost? Ah, if you've never had the Holy Ghost, honey, you need it, 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 you need it. Come on, come on, come on, come on. He wants to meet you now. He wants to meet you now. Come on, Grandma. Come on, Daddy. Come on, Grandpa. Come on, young man. Come on, come on, come on. I put my trust in you. I put my trust in you. I need your glory. Come on. Come on, that's it. That's I it. I want your glory. Come on. It's just you and him right now. Just you and him. Let your heart Bless talk to him. you is what I need. Show me. So many times. 
rejecting your love and warm embrace, but I realize I need you more and more each day, more each day. I need your glory. I want your glory. Less of me and more. Less of 
Show me 